Hi and Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the Circle of Ilm podcast where we share Islamic knowledge that caters to anyone and everyone. Through this podcast, you will learn anything and everything about Islam. From the basics to the advanced, there will be something for everyone, inshallah. I am Ustazah Nur Hidayah and you are now listening to Fiqh for Sisters. Inshallah for today, we are looking at another episode on going back into history, tracing back into the evolution of Fiqh per se. And today we are focusing on Fiqh in the age of the pious predecessors. So this is actually a continuation from previous episodes whereby we discussed about the fiqh during the time of the Prophet and the following episode we actually talked about fiqh during the time of the companions. We have this group of people or these generations of people called the pious predecessors. Now, who are the pious predecessors? So usually with regards to the pious predecessors, we can group them or we can say that they are the generation that lived after the generations of the companions. So basically the companions are the people who manage you know, or who are given the opportunity to see Rasulullah SAW or to live together during the time of the Prophet SAW when he was still around. All right, And pious predecessors are the people who came after them, generations after them. And of course, they are also generations before us. This hadith that I'm about to share with you is a very important hadith right, for us to think about, for us to digest, and for us to also see you know, the importance and the weight of these generations. All right? So this hadith actually comes from Sahih al-Bukhari whereby it was actually narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud where the Prophet sallallahu said خَيْرُ النَّاسِ قَرْنِي ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ يَجِيءُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ قَوْمٍ تَسْبِقُوا شَهَادَتُهُمْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ وَأَيْمَانُهُمْ شَهَادَتُهُمْ Which means the best people are those of my generation. My is Rasulullah sallallahu generation. Then those who come after them, then those who come after them. Then there will come people after them whose testimony precedes their oaths and their oaths precede their testimony. So here Rasulullah wasallam is actually highlighting the three best generations of people. Alright, so the first best generations of people are the people who lived during the time of the Prophet wasallam, are the people who lived together in the same generation of Rasulullah wasallam, And as we all know, those are the companions, right? Those are the Sahabas. So the generation that comes after the generations of the Sahabas are actually two kinds of generations, okay? The first one would be the pious predecessors, as so we speak for today's episode. And the following generation that comes after that are the followers of the pious predecessors. So actually the Arabic term to the pious predecessors is actually tabi'in. And this word tabi'in actually means the people who follow through. When we say that you know there is this generation that came after the generation of Rasulullah SAW, they are the companions. Why? Because they were together with Rasulullah and they were the people who followed the ways of Rasulullah SAW. So afterwards we have the 
um, tabi'in, right? We have the pious predecessors. And what is tabi'in again? They are the followers. They are the people who followed the ways of the Sahaba. And what came after them, as I mentioned earlier, are the followers of the pious predecessors. And this is what we call atba' tabi'in or tabi' tabi'in. So tabi'in is those who follow, right? But atba' tabi'in or tabi' tabi'in are the follower of the followers. And I hope that, you know, sisters, you are all now better aware with regards to who these pious predecessors are. Or in the Arabic term, it will be tabi'in as well as the atba' tabi'in. Now, the time of the pious predecessors, okay, is pretty much similar as to the time of the companions as well as the caliphs, right? The caliphs, the four caliphs that uh, I have mentioned in the previous episode. So, you know, it started off pretty similar, like how it was during the time of the companions. It was not until the year 150 onwards, you know, this is where we have, you know, the scholars of the different schools of thought that we may come to be exposed to, right? Such as the scholars of uh, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Ash-Shafi'i, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, and many other mazhabs. I understand that a lot of us may have heard or may have come to learn about these things. And we start to realize that this is where we get confused. You know, which mazhab should we follow? Which context should we based off on? And... Two things that you need to take note would be, number one, the word madhab itself, right? The school of thought. Yes, it is translated to that. But for the Arabic word of madhab, it actually means a way out. So when you are faced, you know, with a certain issue or you have a method at hand, you know, that heavily involves this whole area of fiqh. So this is where you understand that, okay, this is where I can return back to or I can revert back to the madhabs, the you know, school of thoughts. Why? Because it serves as a way out for me, out of the problem. Okay? So madhabs are not supposed to be something that segregates us because essentially we are all one community. You know, we are all one ummah and we're supposed to support one another. We are supposed to respect one another and appreciate each other's differences. Another thing for you to take note about madhabs is that as with the scholars that I mentioned earlier, right? Scholars like Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Ashafiri, Imam Ahmad Ibn Hanbal, you know, these are the scholars that their students refer to. Then they base off the madhab out of that, based on what their teachers or what their imam has taught them. Let us not think that these uh, imams or these scholars, they came up with this school of thoughts. It's just that their students, you know, would refer to their teachings and would, you know, group themselves as, you know, the followers of uh, this particular madhab. This whole thing about madhab is that it's supposed to give us this way out of our fiqh issues, as I mentioned earlier, not for it to segregate us, but to enhance the way we live, especially when we are faced with issues and challenges, okay, which continues to emerge with every new generation. All right, at this early point of time, right, very, very early of the time of the pious predecessors, there was yet to be a solid compilation of the hadith, i.e. the narrations of the Prophet wasallam, like Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, Sunan Tirmidhi. So the scholars of this particular time, they had to travel, 
right? And we're not talking about travel by plane, by the train, with cars, but they had to travel. Some of them, you know, they, they had to travel by foot. And that is where they go, you know, to different parts of the world to collect hadiths, to collect narrations of the Prophet ﷺ for their knowledge and their efforts in extracting rulings and understandings. That is actually the magnitude of the hard work of our scholars. And as we all may come to know, the output of a ruling will need many references from the verses of the Quran as well as the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ. So all compiled together, okay, before coming up with any ruling. Instead of picking out verses or hadiths and plainly stating the ruling of a matter. And I feel that that is something that we see a lot in today's world, right? Whereby it's easy for us to just come up with our own opinions, our thoughts on the matter. And it, it and it's easy to just pick out, you know, any verse from the Quran and any hadith of the Prophet ﷺ just to support our statement. But then again, when we interact you know, with these resources in Islam, with these divine resources as well as the resources from Rasulullah wasallam, it has to go the other way around, which means that I refer back to my resources. After I refer back to my resources, after I understand what Allah says and what Rasulullah wasallam says, only then I come up with a certain opinion based on my understanding and knowledge of the matter. You know, as much as we are knowledgeable, as much as we are experienced, there will come a point where we make mistakes. You know, human beings are bound to earth. Human beings are imperfect. And it is only normal for us to make mistakes. And sometimes the mistakes that we make happen when we feel that we are right. When we feel that we are correct. When we feel that we know enough. And in fact, that is actually an indicator that we know very, very less. So this is where going back to our resources is very, very important. Just to ensure that we are on the right track and we are referring to what is right and we are saying what is right and we are advocating what is right, inshallah. If I could share with you another thing, okay, with regards to a concept in fiqh. And this is pretty much um, relatable to our focus today on the pious predecessors. There is this concept in fiqh that states, Al-I'mal awla min al-I'mal. Which means using all the evidence has precedence or has priority over ignoring some of them. So this is what I mentioned earlier, right? Going back to our sources, ensure that we check every single evidence that there is and not neglecting any evidence, even though the evidence seems to be small, because it could be a huge impact. Another thing to note would be, this time was the evolution and the advancement of fiqh. So it was, you know, far more evolutionized as compared to the time of the companions and, you know, the time of Rasulullah wasallam. This is where things started to be documented. It became more structured. It is more disciplined. And it was thought as a certain form of um, discipline in the knowledge. And at this point of time, curriculum was actually created for it. So it was only after the year 350 Hijrah, where fiqh began to slowly take a turn. Because it was a time where rulings and mazhabs were just followed blindly without any form of understanding. Whenever it comes to a certain form of knowledge or awareness on a matter, ensure that we follow based on understanding. Not just following a matter based on what other people are doing or based on what other people are saying. So additionally to today's episode, I just want to briefly share with you a bit 
about the imams, okay, about the scholars uh, of the different different school of thoughts. And we're just going to focus on the four. So the very first one would be Imam Abu Hanifa, whose actual name was Nu'man ibn Thabit. And he was actually born in the year 702 CE. You know, his way of, you know, using or referring back to the sources of law where he wanted to deduce a certain form of Islamic law following um, such sources, okay? So, the very first approach would be that he would refer to the Quran first and that is, you know, the primary, the most basic thing to refer back to, okay? The Quran is considered to be the primary and questionable source of the Islamic law, okay? And it was actually used to also determine the accuracy of other sources as well. So, you know, Imam Abu Hanifa, he would go to the Quran first. So, after he has you know, dealt into the Qur'an, only then he would refer to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and the sunnah was consulted as the second most important source of the Islamic law, but with some qualification as to its use. So after referring to the sunnah, if it's there, then that's good. If certain things are not clear in the sunnah, then that is where they would go to the ijma of the sahaba. Okay, and the ijma of the Sahaba is actually a un- unanimous opinion of the Sahabas of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ on any point of law not specified in the Quran or the Sunnah. Okay, so that would be the ijma. And then following that, you know, if they try to look through the ijma and it's not there, then that is where they will go to individual opinions of the Sahaba. Uh, and if there is none over there, then they will then go to Qiyas. So Qiyas is actually an analog- analogical deduction where they take, you know, concepts. You know, there are certain things which are not clearly stated, but it is these concepts that, you know, becomes a guiding factor for our religious rulings, okay? And after that, it is not in the Qiyas, then they will go to Istihsan, which is on the matter of the preference of one proof over another, one evidence over another, okay? One hadith over another, uh, or one verse of, over another. And last but not least, they will go back to the Urf, which is the local customs, where legal weight is given in areas where there were no binding Islamic customs available. So that was the way of uh, Imam Abu Hanifa. So next we have Imam Malik. Okay, Imam Malik, uh, also known as Malik ibn Anas ibn Amir, he was born in Medina in the year 717 CE. He has his own steps as well with regards to how he would refer back to the sources of law. So first, similarly to any other scholar, right, he would refer to the Quran first. Okay, he go to the Quran, he finds some form of resources, and then if there are none or there are few, then he would go to the the Sunnah. But after the Sunnah, this was where it sets apart from the way of Imam Abu Hanifa, whereby he would go to the Amal of the Madinites, the practices of the Medinian people, of the people of Medina, because not only he was born there, but Rasulullah Wasallam's constitution was there, which includes the direct descendants of the Sahabas. Only then, he would go to the Ijma of the Sahaba, 
right, the, un, the unanimous opinion, then he will go to the individual opinion of the Sahaba. So not just seeing the Sahaba coming together with regards to their opinions or thoughts on the matter as a group, but individually as well. And only then he will go to the Qiyas. And after the Qiyas, he will go to the customs of the Madinites. And then he would touch on matters pertaining the Istislah, which is um, the welfare. So the next school of thought is the Shafi'i Madhab. As so we speak, you know, it is related to Imam Ash-Shafi'i. The, the full name of this particular scholar, right, has been named as Imam Ash-Shafi'i or known as Imam Ash-Shafi'i. But his name really is Muhammad ibn Idris Ash-Shafi'i. And he was actually born in the year 796 CE. So for his approach of the Madhab, it was... Uh, a little bit more condensed as to the other scholars. For Imam Ash-Shafi'i's approach, you know, he would refer, as then again, he would refer back to the Quran first and foremost. And if he needs more finding other than the Quran, then he would refer to the Sunnah, the Prophet Wasallam, And afterwards, he would go to the Ijma'ah. Okay? And after, you know, going through a number of cases within the Ijma'ah, then he would straight away go into the individual opinions of the Sahabas straight into the individual opinions of the Sahaba, and afterwards he would refer to the Qiyas, and last but not least, he would then refer to the Istishab, where Istishab literally means seeking a link, um, but it legally is referred to the process of deducing fiqh laws by linking a later set of circumstances with an earlier set. And last but not least would be Imam Ahmad. So as for Imam Ahmad. He was actually born in the year 778 CE and he was actually born in Baghdad. His name is actually Ahmad ibn Hanbal al-Shaibani and uh, for this matter or for this school of thought, he is referred to as Imam Ahmad. So for him, he would first refer to the Quran and then he would then go to the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and he would go to the Ijma of the Sahaba as well as the individual opinions of the Sahaba. But what makes Imam Ahmad different with regards to his approach is that he would also go back to some of the weak hadiths or some of the weak narrations of the Prophet to find a form of solution where, when the solution is not made available through the other mediums that he has went through earlier on. Okay, uh, but, but of course, when we interact with um, narrations which are weak, they have a certain form of principle or a certain form of ruling as to how they should go about it. Okay, and last but not least, he will go to the Qiyas like all of the other scholars so basically there are a lot of things that we can learn and reflect on with regards to fiqh and its evolution uh, in the presence of the age of the pious predecessors but you know at the end of the day as we speak about madhabs as we speak about you know the different schools of thought at the end of the day we don't want to be labeling ourselves we don't want to be grouping ourselves segregating you know, this unity of the Ummah. Then again, every single day when we pray, especially when we pray in congregation, we are supposed to come together, united as one. And through whatever that we do, whatever that we believe in, whatever that we practice, it's not supposed to be something that segregates us. But it should be something that continues to strengthen us as one complete Ummah, inshallah.
Alright, so before we wrap up today's episode, let, let us recite, you know, the dua that we have been reciting after every single episode of Fit for Sisters. And it is a dua whereby we are seeking beneficial knowledge, goodly provision and acceptable deeds. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, you know, all of our efforts to learn more about him and more about his religion insha'Allah. So bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'an warizqan tayyiban. Which means, O oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge, goodly provision, and acceptable deeds, inshallah. And that concludes today's episode. Tune in again next week, same time, same place, same me, for the continuation of today's episode. Don't forget to follow our channel so that you'll be notified when a new episode drops. Do follow us on our social media platforms at Circle of Ilm for updates on future episodes and other topics. We would love for you to share and tag us as well if you have learned something from today's episode. With that, thank you and see you next week inshallah. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.